Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Good day and welcome to Extreme Common Sense with your hosts, Trisden and Ray. We hope to leave some of the social polarization behind and dig into the gray area middle of society and politics. When the far left and the far right hate us, we will have succeeded. Welcome folks, Tristan and Ray here. I'm Tristan. I'm Ray. So Ray is the guy that sounds slightly older and I'm the guy that sounds like a teenage girl. Sounds and looks. Yeah. Yeah. So no, you definitely don't sound like a teenage girl. <laughs> Hopefully no, no, no. not. No. So all right, uh, Ray. First of all, man, I wanted to talk about. We did a pretty cool appearance on the Philip D. Blackman show uh-huh. this week. And now th- we did. The reason I bring this up, uh, I was fascinated by this, and part of what we're trying to do with this show is sort of bridge the gap a little bit between. Uh, liberal and Republican, just a little bit of conversation in Left a world. Left and right, Democrat, right. Republican, liberal, Ma- conservative, yeah. Yeah, because if you turn on your Facebook, you turn it on like it's the 1800s, you, you get on Facebook or TikTok, man, and you would really think we all hate each other and civil war is, is impending. But mm-hmm. the reason I bring this up is because Philip is – Philip claims to be middle right. I would say Philip's pretty far right. Philip's pretty conservative fella. Very conservative guy. But I will say this, like we went on a show to promote our podcast and, and have a good conversation. And, um, you know, I think it worked. It worked. But not only that, man, like this guy went out of his way to to coach us through what we were doing, um, offered us. Uh, so tell us who Philip is, by the way. A military veteran that has his own podcast and uh, live stream show, the Philip D. Blackman Show. And you originally hooked up with him. I hooked up with him. They needed a token liberal to do the presidential debate show that he was doing uh, uh, last 2020? year. Okay. That's right. And he's in Texas. He is in Texas. That's it. And uh, again, a super nice guy. Like, But this is the type of guy that if our only interaction was on Facebook talking about any of these hot-button issues, we probably would have been Facebook screaming at each other. But it's a situation where we spoke, and this guy, like I have no doubt, would give me the shirt off his back, and no doubt that I would do the same for him. Exactly. And this is a guy that we're completely on polar opposite ends of the political spectrum. Had a great conversation, didn't agree on anything. Right. Wasn't a situation where we're like, man, we found a lot of common ground. But, I mean, I just think it's proof that you can really – have these friends and know these people that you completely disagree with politically and you don't have to hate each other. Like right. you don't have to kick your uncle out of Thanksgiving. You don't have to kick your niece out of Thanksgiving. Like we can disagree and just not always freaking talk about it. Right. He, he dropped the Dr. Falsy in, which is the right, uh, right. <laughs> uh, admonition. Is, is that the right word? They're, you know, they're, they're, uh, pointing fingers at, at Dr. Fauci. He's, he's become known now as Dr. Falsy and this story about Biden, Having an accident when he was in the company of the Pope, right? You've seen this story. I had not, which until until Philip told no, me. No, well, now it's everywhere, you yeah. know. And and the um, go get him, Brandon. What is it? Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Which is now um, means it's the inside. It's the inside joke. Inside way of saying F Joe you Biden. Biden. Right. Yeah, yeah. So 
And that evolved out of like uh, NASCAR? It was a NASCAR race. I guess the crowd, of course, was chanting, fuck Joe Biden because it's a NASCAR race. And uh, the announcer, I think, maybe caught off guard or didn't realize what was going on, thought the chant was or said the chant was on air. Let's go Brandon for the driver, I guess, that had won. And so the right, of course, has taken that to their inside joke. <laughs> Means, of course, F, F Joe U. Biden. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was, um, you know, that was Philip. He, he would have subscribed to all of those things. But to Trisden's point, we had a great conversation. Um, you can check it out. He spent, I don't know, 40 minutes with us. Man, probably an hour. Yeah. And it was, uh, and, and we had Jamie on as a guest. Um, and we talked a little bit about kind of one of the last week show positive yeah. COVID. And yeah. sometimes our shows get on in like weird order. So yeah. hopefully it's last week's show as you're listening, maybe next week's. Right. Yeah. That, that's the exactly. That's why I said he was as a guest, but he made a point that his church really, not, not, not that you would ever say they benefited from COVID, but a, as a consequence of COVID, they got a real online presence, a, a vir, not virtual reality, but a electronic virtual presence. Is probably virtual fair. presence. Yeah. yeah. And Philip brought us together, you know, Kentucky. Texas seamlessly to do that show, basically sort of via Zoom, right? Essentially, yeah. I forget the name of the, the actual software. It wasn't specifically Zoom and, and offered us to use that if yes. we wanted to have guests and Which we could jump really on. Which is really cool. Yeah, just super nice. And, and I just think the world needs more of that. You know, they need more people that don't look at folks that they disagree with and just think, ah, they're the worst of their you know, world and I have well, no time for them. And back to your friend, Jamie, and now my newfound friend, Jamie, he made just a fantastic point about <laughs> realizing that you can't necessarily judge everybody from the values of your religion because they may not share them because they're either a religious or of a different religion. Right. It's like a really no, that deep was, point. That was a great point. Yeah. Essentially saying that, like, why am I following you around expecting you to care you know, about these same issues that I care about when I don't know your life or, you know, who you are and what you subscribe to for the afterlife or any of that. So, yeah, no, it was a really good point. How about here? This is so. Oh, by the way, today's show is another freeform show. So we're just kind of sitting here chatting. So Hopefully you don't find it boring. What that means is nothing different. It was, okay. So we're just, it's, this is a topic. normal, normal so show. So here's a crazy thought. What yeah. about evangelical atheists? Now, what would that be? Well, that would be a someone who proselytizes for atheism. So, so, oh, okay. so the mission for Reagan's son, <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, Ronald Jr. Ronald Jr. Right. That's yeah. damn funny, Tristan. Yeah. <laughs> Reagan's son, because you know the mission of any great religion is to bring more followers in. You do know, atheists the, the do that though. No, I'm saying that's a funny thing, right? An evangelical atheist is an oxymoron, yeah. but. You know, somebody could make the point that I'm trying to save this person. I'm trying to do them a benefit. The atheist could say, well, I'm trying to do the same for you because that religion is causing you to think some odd ways about stuff. So if you listen to me, I can help you. But that never gets looked at, right? Oh, that's true. Evangelical atheist. Like nice. Reagan's son. That's damn yeah. high. I'm no. Ron Reagan. And oh, no, man. I don't think I'm going to burn in hell. In the fact, hell doesn't exist. Yeah, the first time I saw that commercial, man, like you're sitting there, and it comes on late night TV a lot. <laughs> yeah, so you're sitting there watching. What is it for? What is it actually for? See, we never remember. Commercials are – there's great commercials, but you don't remember what the damn product is. Right. I, th I think it's for uh, – I mean, it's uh, an atheist group, like I'm sure soliciting money for oh, the atheist cause. Yeah. Okay. It may be. Like, I want to – not ACLU. That wouldn't be right. Uh, no, I don't think it's ACLU. I, you know, Triz and I still remember um, – and I wouldn't have said this to Jamie because, first of all, he's a wonderful fella and, and our – 
I, I think, again, to your point, we're not ever trying to beat anybody up. We want to hear from people. But I still remember, and I don't know why. Well, I guess I do know why, because it really struck me. In college, you know, you take a lot of varied liberal arts courses and so forth. And I don't know if this was a composition class, poetry, whatever. But a line from this poem referring to religion as a vast musical brocade invented to pretend we never die. And I can't even tell you what the poem was, but right? A vast musical brocade invented to pretend we never die. And it never left me. And that's 40 years ago. Damn, that's pretty good. Yeah, right? Yeah. And so how much, you know... How how much truth is it? I guess we we can never. Those are the unanswerable questions. You can't answer it. Yeah, that's it. You can't answer it. Yeah, you I, think there's an afterlife? Oh man, that's just so tough. Yeah, yeah. My wife would hate that I say this. Um, my wife. Well, she doesn't listen. She never listens. <laughs> yeah, mine either. My wife listened once. She's like, God darn, I didn't listen yeah, to you enough. I, I do not. Need my to wife hears this. me re-listening to yeah. ours in another room and gets a migraine. <laughs> 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 but yeah, my wife talks all the time about forever sleep. She thinks it's going to sleep. Like she forever does not sleep. expect to, you know, walk up and, and find a gold cloud full of, you know, relatives, I guess. Yeah, but. Kurt Vonnegut said something that the great American author about, uh, who I think probably was an atheist, but he said, you know, if there's an afterlife, fantastic, I'll enjoy it. And if not, that's great. It's a long sleep and I love sleep. Oh, there you go. Pretty good. But no, I think that's why we... I think we have to live to be the best we can here, you know, because it's not guaranteed. You know, sure. We why not do the best we can? And yeah, if we have well, that reward, man, wonderful. And if not, we we left it all on the field. And isn't that kind of the whole dichotomy of religion? Because there are wonderful things that come out of religion. And again, if you lived your life the way the historical Jesus lived his, it would be a wonderful life, treating people well and respectful and, you know, looking out for the the, uh, less among us and so forth. But then you get into that other side of just stubborn, you know, never moving from your position. I'm right, you're wrong. And that does cause problems. Yeah, and I don't know that that necessarily has ever been the goal of Jesus or probably the the point of Christianity to, you know, to have those really strong opinions and hold people down and argue. I don't I just yeah. wouldn't say the church well, the, the if you go by the Bible it tends to be just more accepting and loving, right? Like certainly New Testament. New Testament, but I mean he, you know, he did um you know, the mission of the apostles were to spread the word and to spread the gospel and to grow your faith. Now, you could look at that with a jaundiced eye too, Tristan, and say, well, you know, any church is only as good as its givers. So you've got to have as many givers as you possibly can. And let's be honest, have with a background in the Catholic church, you know, 15 years of my life every Sunday— there's nobody who's done that better than the Catholic Church. There's no. there's no entity in the world bigger than the Catholic Church. There's no entity in the world wealthier than the Catholic Church. Well, in the Catholic Church, only uh, religion that does not actively recruit. Well, but if you went back 1,500 years, they were recruiting. Oh, I, of course. I, I had a buddy of mine say, why do the Catholics never proselytize? Why aren't they evangelical? Well, because they're a billion five worldwide. Right. You know, they're monstrous. But there was a time when they oh, were certainly yeah, recruiting the was. Crusades. Yeah, but it is amazing now. But on the heels of that point about the dichotomy, to be fair to the Catholic Church, yes, they're the wealthiest entity in the world, bar none, but they're also the most charitable. Catholic charities right. give more than any other. So, and we made chicken, the you know, not not chicken and an egg, but that's that pro and con thing. Yeah, and nobody can dispute the church does a world of good. And 
Well, before I forget, uh, Google tells us that uh, Ron Reagan Jr. commercial is the Freedom From Religion Foundation. Okay, so it is basically atheist. Yeah, yeah so we should yeah. take a look. And An see, evangelical see atheist. I wonder, yeah. if he, I wonder if he's, uh, I, I may have just coined a phrase, an evangelical atheist. Ron yeah, Reagan how about Jr. that? So um, definitely. And uh, you know what? His dad is looking up at him. <laughs> saying that son of a bitch. <laughs> I'll get you. Oh man. No, I liked Reagan. I I I wasn't a huge fan of his politics, but gosh, I respected him as a politician. He was great. He was a great. Yeah. I think one of the best lines ever told, and I think if you met him, you would really enjoy his company. One of the best lines ever told about Reagan was the day he was shot, which I remember well cuz I was actually in a car accident that day, uh, uh March 31st of 81 as I recall. And wow, he as he was going into surgery, he said to the doctors, you're all Republicans, right? <laughs> That's great. Oh, man. Yeah. That's really good. <laughs> and see, that was a different time, Tristan, because him and Tip O'Neill couldn't have been further apart. O'Neill was right. the Speaker of the House, and, and every bit the politician Reagan was. You know, think Pelosi today. And I mean, he was mentioned all the time. It's Reagan, it's O'Neill. Two Irishmen fought like cats and dogs, didn't agree on a lot politically, but it said at the end of the day, they'd get together and have a scotch. Nice. And just bullshit. Wow. Yeah. And you hear that too uh, with uh, Clinton and uh, who was the speaker? Uh, Gingrich? No, I don't think they got along well. well. They didn't get along, but they got a lot of stuff done. Yeah. yeah oh, they, they did do that. That's, that's they, politics. They did though, work together. Able to work they together. absolutely worked together. And McConnell and see, kind of killed a little of that. It feels like. Oh, I think so, man. I mean, Mitch is really skilled at getting his way. Not so skilled at bringing people into the fold. Yeah. You know? But it used to be a situation. I mean, imagine a Democrat president and Bill Clinton reforming welfare to the degree that Republicans liked it. Yes. I mean, and they worked hand in hand. Work together on a bill like that. I mean, right. you couldn't get anything like that done now. And the, we, we actually, should. the last balanced budget in this country's history was ninety nine with Clinton as president and Gingrich ahead of the house. You know, yeah. the, the Speaker of the House. Yeah, it's crazy. So, a little off topic. Um, That's what we do. That is how we do a show. You're not. Hopefully, you're not going to miss any episodes because we've got a couple backed up. But I do wanted to talk about your absence. If you feel comfortable talking about it, you've got a couple weeks off coming uh, up. Yeah, I'll feel more comfortable when it's behind me. Yeah. So um, I guess now I have to talk about it, Tristan. Thank you. <laughs> well, um, if I could talk about it, if you don't want to, I just thought it would be a good. Topic. Well, I've done a lot of reading on it. So basically, uh, several years back, I was diagnosed with atrial fibrillation, which is the most common heart arrhythmia, and it's been pretty well um, uh, kept in check with medication. But for whatever reason, this past summer. And I'll tell you something funny about that. It started to progress, and it is a progressive disease. But by progress, I would have an episode a month maybe, and then it went to maybe sometimes six weeks. Then it went to like once a week, twice a week. And by the middle of August, maybe September 1st, it was like a daily occurrence. And the medication was still working. But I went up. I've got a local cardiologist who's wonderful. But just for a second opinion, we went up to literally the world-renowned Cleveland Clinic, Patty and I did, and um, spoke and met with cardiologist up there so i am going and perhaps by the time you hear this i will have gone for uh what they call a catheter ablation where they go up through your groin a pulmonary vein and they actually go in and i had to look up the word ablate it means to cut uh tissue and they scar inside your heart which they call it minimally invasive yeah easy for them to say it ain't their heart because they don't open you up it's not open heart surgery and they actually make some scars in an effort to block the air and signal so what afib is it's not the function of your heart it's the electrical signal that drives your heart because we're 
made up of electric and something's gone errant little i think the way they described it to me is these nodes uh kind of appear and so they go in and they ablate those nodes in an effort to stop those errant signals now it's about a 75 percent successful procedure and for the folks that it's not successful they may have to go back for a second because they haven't gotten them all the way i understand it is they go in and actually map it so i guess they introduce some electric and see where it's jumping and then they go in and they ablate those areas that are jumping so i'm looking at that a week from as we you and i speak right now but hopefully by the time you hear this i've come through and i'm all right if you never hear from me again didn't go so well cleveland clinic's ass (laughs) but so so that's where i'm at so yeah yeah, it's it's a little um it's a little frightening i mean i gotta say man you're yeah yeah you know what it's your heart for god's sakes yeah I, i and i told you this on the phone it it's so easy to sit when you know somebody going in for surgery. And from my point of view, you just think, man, you know, minimally invasive. They're going to go in there. They're going to knock it out. It's going to be super easy. However, if that was me, oh, you know, I would just be a nightmare. Well, trust me. So it's a four, it's a four-day process in that I have to be up there the day before for some pre-op. There's the day of the procedure, which you spend that night at the facility they check you. If everything's cool, you get released the day after. However, they ask you to spend one more night for a final observation on the fourth day just to make sure everything's cool. So we'll drive up on Tuesday, procedure Wednesday, Wednesday night at the clinic, Thursday night in a hotel, and then drive back Friday. So when I'm driving up there next Tuesday, oh, that's going to be a sleepless night. There's no <laughs> way I'm getting much sleep in that damn hotel. I probably have to be there at six in the morning. And Yeah. Oh, my God. But good to get it done. Like, stuff like that, the only thing uh, more powerful than the the worry that goes into the pre is waking up and knowing it's done and a success, and it's something you don't have to worry about. And I think, Trizan, I'm not sure, I'll know, and I can address this, I think, and I've never had this, it's general anesthesia where they actually go in, I don't know if that's called a incubate, where they actually do the breathing for, like, I I go out. You know, I've had, I had a procedure done when I had kidney stones a few years back where they go in and bust them up with yeah. a li- lipotripsy, I think it's called. And that was, you know, not, it was, I don't know the difference. Like local is that they just localize the spot they're working on. Then I think there's two steps. There's like a sedation and then a general anesthesia where you're just out, out. Because I was out, but I don't think, I, I know I didn't have the tube down my throat where you have to do the breathing. But right. So this procedure is anywhere from two to six hours. Wow. Depending upon, I guess, how well that mapping goes and so forth. So root for two. If you're, yeah, yeah. If you're out in two, you've 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 done pretty well. So, uh, yeah. And then I'm sure there's going to be some soreness. So that is actually the week before Thanksgiving. I'm taking two weeks off work, and I told my wife, a, I'm going to have her sympathy, and b, it's a holiday week. So you know, kind of in that mindset anyway. My plan for that second week after I'm back home with this procedure, hopefully done successfully, is literally to sit on the couch in my sweats, watch movies that I haven't seen in years or, or, or ones that I haven't yet seen. Like, I, I think I'm the only person in America who's never seen The Matrix. Oh my God. Right. So, you know, catch up on that. One of my favorites. With Netflix and everything now, you can watch whatever you want, literally. So I am, I don't even know if we're going to do anything Thanksgiving Day. I am going to really milk it for everything and do nothing. A true staycation. (laughs) No, is this next week? Or the week yeah, after. next week. So man. as we talk, actually, next week? Okay. this is Wednesday. So actually, six days from today, you go week, up a week. Six days today, I go up, and next Wednesday at this time, I may well be, you know, under. Yeah. yeah. Well, very nice. Yeah. Well, no, it's not. Well, I'm, well nice I mean, to have I'm it a, done. I'm a 
anxious person generally. You know, I've got yeah. my OCDs and so forth inherited from dad. I had no choice with that. But, you know, I think if you're the coolest person, who's the coolest person you know? Let's go with the Fonz. Okay, if you're the Fonz driving up for this, you're a little you're a little uptight. <laughs> right. You're a, no, you're hey, your, hey. It's, hey, not, it's not your favorite little, day. No, man. Yeah. Oh, no, man. it's just not. Yeah. So, thanks for asking. Well, yeah. No, I definitely uh, So, hopefully I can have a good report and uh, and we're going to we're going to put a few episodes in the can so we won't be doing yeah, this so for a couple of weeks. by the time folks hear this, uh, it will be a moot point I hope and so. then yeah, deal will be a done deal. Man. So yeah, so now that we've taken it down quite a bit, um, let's see. You know, we had a good conversation recently, sort of off the record. Uh, independent voters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's funny, Tristan, because Jamie made a point that I, because I thought of you when he made the point, which was, um, you know, he came to his independence as a listed himself as an independent because, and I'm going to set you up and then you can make your point because I know where you're going because he looked at the two sides yelling and screaming at each other, thought that wasn't right. Didn't want to associate or affiliate himself with one or the other. So he said, I'm an independent. Okay. That's cool. That's a good way to come to it. Trisden <laughs> has a little different view, not as it relates to Jamie, but just independence no. generally about what you think an independent is. Well, this is my thought. <laughs> I think there, you know, there are some smart independents. Like, you know, if you're Jamie and you know you identify mostly as Republican, but you don't identify with the person that Donald Trump is and you go independent, you've still made up your mind about who you are. You know, my thought <laughs> is that independent voters that decide these major elections. The same reason that immediately after a new president is sworn in, Congress always tends to flip. Right. Uh, the midterms. Right. In the midterms, Congress always seems to flip in the other direction. Right. And I right. think that the independent voter, because, you know, 35 to 40 percent on both sides have completely made up their mind on national elections. Oh, I agree. Right. Maybe 5 percent of the other people are pretty smart. <laughs> But I think there's about 20% of the people that are just really dumb and believe everything they hear. You so, elitist bastard. No, it's not elitist. It's just people that don't follow politics that still vote. And, and so basically you, toe the line of the last thing they heard. Right. So you hear, you, this is why politi people buy political signs. Well, I saw the name Drury as I was driving around, so I guess I'll vote for them. But no, I just think people hear, <laughs> you know, true. Trump comes in. Two years in, people hear, oh, he's doing a lot of bad stuff. I don't like it. They don't know. You know, they just go in. The same thing with Biden. Here we are as we gear up for the midterms. People hate Biden. So people will, of course, flip Congress because it just happens every time. So, you That's know, funny. I've met three or four people that voted for Obama and then Trump. Like, you're not really strong in your politics if that was where you went, right? Sure. You know, I've said for years, Trisden, and people go, oh, my God, no. I've said for years that the way you should vote is you should walk into the polling place and you should yell out who you're voting for. But most people, I shouldn't say most, there are some people who could never defend that vote to the point that you just made, so they would never want to do that. To me, hell, we've got this show going. I'll talk to you forever, not to beat you up or tell you I'm right, you're wrong, but I can explain why Your I point vote of view, for why somebody. You, yeah, yeah. I don't know that everyone can do that. Now, is that elitist? I don't know. I think you make a fair point there. So I guess kind of what you're saying is um, people are Republicans, Democrats, liberal, conservative for reasons. Yes. But you have some people in the middle who call themselves independent. Oh, well, Because they're great. low information people. Yeah, but it's just, right. You don't have enough information to really know which camp you belong to, so you 
sort of do this independent thing. That's a that's a great take on it, man. Right. Well, I just think if you sort of hobby politics, you stronger than me, but me to a certain degree, like it's rare that you're not going to figure out which camp you're in. Or I mean, at least I've, closer to, yeah. True, yeah, yeah. You could be middle and, man, this left-wing politician is just the worst, so yeah. I'm going to go right, yeah. which I think happened a lot in the case of Hillary Clinton. Right. You know, a lot of Democrats just didn't, you know, did not get behind Hillary. A lot of women. A lot, of, Well, a lot of both, yeah. but yeah. But I, I do think, uh, you know, for the most part, you should have it figured out. You shouldn't be That's a great point. Obama to Trump. Like, you should be a little bit more uh, political savvy than that. And I think one of the things we could do to remedy that is in Great Britain and other countries, you can um, gamble on the elections. <laughs> but what that does, and it sounds funny, is it creates people who care more about politics because they're more invested <laughs> in it because win. they put a hundred bucks on it. Well, I want to know where they stand on That's this stuff. Great. And I want to know what they're, you know, instead of just this little bit of bad press, an incoming president is always inevitably. So your get. solution to America's political problem is there's not enough gambling. We've got to start voting on who makes it into the white house and who becomes a speaker. And that, that would solve our problem. That is you, done. Yeah. Okay. That's easy. There we go. That's great, man. And, and can you not make a bet here? But no, it's not legal to bet on political campaigns. And it is in England. Yes. Man, they got everything figured out over there. They really they? do. I like their, I well, like, they're old, though, man. That's they're, true. They're, you know, they're the senior citizens. We're still the adolescents, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, they take a lot of the money out, and you can only campaign for six months prior to, I think. Yeah, elections. I don't even know if it's that long. It's, Maybe it's six weeks. It's a small weeks. window. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, and it's publicly financed, so you're right. not going crazy. And now, yeah, you're not kissing with your occupation, for, that's, for money. that money is nice. Right. So, no, I, th I do think they've got a few things figured out. And, of course, our Republican listeners are saying, well, if you like it so much, why don't you go over there? But Oh, I'll tell you what, man. With no disrespect to the country of which I'm a native, because America is a great, a great country, I went in uh, 2018, Patty and I? Yeah, 2018. And honestly, Tristan, you know, I've got an Irish and an English lineage, so there maybe is that. London, England was maybe the best place I've ever been to. If somebody said to me, you got to go spend the next couple of years, one year, five years, whatever in London, I'd be like, okay, that's cool. It was wonderful. What? Like I always had a vision of London as being a cool place and it hit everything and surpassed it. It was just a great place. And I felt very comfortable and very at home. Nice. If, if, I don't know if at home makes sense, but feels I, a bit I, like home. Yeah, and I don't know that I would feel that if I went to Munich or I went to Sydney, Australia or, you know, other places, but man, I felt that in London. It was just great. Well, my grandfather lives in Toulouse, France. And oh yeah. I've got to get over and visit him and I'm not the biggest put me on a plane guy. Um you know, I've flown all my life, but the thought of flying over an ocean for six hours, not the most fun for me. Kind of like, like an ablation? Yeah, kind of like you, an ablation. If you go down, eh, you know. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be under general anesthesia, so if it is time for that <laughs> eternal sleep, I'm probably not going to know. There you go. No, if, if I had some of the anesthesia for the six-hour flight, <laughs> Well, you can great. do that. Just get to the airport early, get <laughs> bombed, and then, you know, just pour yourself into the seat, and there the person go. next to you might not like it, but you'll have yeah. a decent ride. No, there I've, you go. I've, uh, I've done it twice i went to ireland and england nice and i've never been to mainland europe i'd love to i mean i have no german blood my kids do because patty's got some german blood but there's just something about germany they just do things right man you well, know they've propped up europe for a while you know the food is great and the beer is great and the people are nice yeah you know, they're german but they're nice right and nine percent <laughs> of our listeners are german oh that's so, true oh so they're wonderful people the best people on earth yes, besides no, americans that's, that's very true nine percent listeners in yeah. germany <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, I'd love to go. I'd yeah, love to and go. I've got to go. I've got to go see him. Now, 90 plus years old, I've got to go visit my not grandpa. Not everybody 
says this, Tristan, and I'd like to know your thought on it. And I'm not saying if I could pick one place. If somebody said, here's five grand, seven grand, you can spend it on a trip, but that it would necessarily be here. But I, just because of what it represents, I'd love to go to the Middle East. I'd love to go to Jerusalem, really? Israel. Hell yeah. Nice. You th- no pun intended. The three great religions, well, the Buddhists and, and, and the Hindus may have something to say about that, but, but uh, the Jewish faith, Christianity, and the Muslim faith all grew within a 30-mile stretch there in the Mideast. I'd love to see it. It's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. Yeah. And Jerusalem and Palestine and, you know, Mecca and those places. Well, Mecca is Saudi Arabia, but, you know, I think, right? Saudi oh, Arabia? If you don't know, I certainly wouldn't. I think wouldn't. so. Yeah. But, I mean, I, yeah, I would like to see them. Now, I think my wife has basically zero interest in that trip, but, yeah, you, no, not for you? It wouldn't be my first choice. No. I definitely find the cultural uh, aspect of that and the history completely exactly. fascinating. Would really love to do it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if, if I had a free trip to either there or New Zealand, I'd yeah, probably well, take New Zealand. New Zealand's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So, but no, I, I think it would be fascinating. And of course, you know, I've got uh, Jewish, uh, Ashkenazi Jewish roots. And, you know, to go back to where it all started for my family, of course, would be kind of cool. And, right. Yeah. So it would be fun. Yeah. The history is incredible. And that's one thing, you know, if there was one thing I would change about myself, and I mentioned it, uh, you know, I, I'm not. I've actually got a list in my back pocket. <laughs> we can talk I'll, later. I'll get that later. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I haven't traveled as much as I could. Uh, and I've never traveled out of the country, and I would oh, love is that to right? really get you know kind of get moving on that because at forty one I'm not getting any younger. And you, you know, start I, with Canada. Our Canadian friends are cool. I would like to. Yeah, I, I heard this nice. comedian. I heard this guy, a Canadian comic who said, "You know, I really love you guys, but there's a point at which it's like living upstairs from a meth head who plays heavy music, all, <laughs> heavy metal music all day." <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> well, you tell your story. I think you've told it on the podcast before, but maybe folks didn't hear it about uh, the, the the guy in Ireland, right? Oh, say? my God, man. Um, <laughs> um, uh, 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 was it James? Oh, gosh, I've forgotten. He, he um, I do know his name, but he was a haberdasher from, from Cork. And he was uh, on holiday in Galway. We spent two nights in Galway, my brother and I, which is a vacation spot for the Irish. It's on the it's on the west side of Ireland, on the ocean. It's beautiful, beautiful. Galway, Galway Bay, and so forth. And um, we had seen each other back-to-back nights in the local pub, and we chatted. And I think back then I was not only drinking, but occasionally bumming a, a smoke because nobody smoked in the in the pubs. So we're outside the second night after having talked a bit the first night. And we're talking yet again about something political or social. And he says to me, you know, Ray, for a for an American, you have a lot of knowledge, which is like the most backhanded compliment for an American. You know, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie was his name. Eddie, nice. Eddie the Haberdasher. And it's like, uh, I don't really think that's a compliment, Eddie. You basically just threw my entire, all my countrymen under the bus. Like, so that is sort of a European stereotype. Like, these Americans are fucking idiots. It is. And people are so closed minded. I'm always amazed when people in certain areas think that an entire group of people are stupid based on their state or country. Because of course we, you know, stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason. There's some truth, but there's complete, uh, you know, exit from the rules on so much right. of that. And I think some of that, Tristan, is that kind of ugly American thing where they come up like, I'm, you know, it's hard to compliment yourself. You say, you know, there's Ray breaking his arm, patting himself on the back. <laughs> but I think I'm a pretty polite guy who goes into a situation not 
with any, you know, cudgel to beat you over the head with or telling you how it is. I'm there to kind of be a wallflower and see what's going on and chat with somebody if they'd like to and not beat them up with their opinion, listen to theirs. So I think there's that. I think sometimes we Americans go in, you know, we're America, man. Here's how we do it. People are like, yeah, well, you're not there anymore. So hang on. Right. Hang on, cowboy. Give me a break. Right. Yeah. Well, and Ray, uh, I guess now would be a good time to break up the show a bit. And since we're new to the podcast game and don't have any sponsors yet, and before we hire that sales staff, we want to use this time to pick out a small independent business at random and give them a free plug. This week, our director of merchandising, Clarissa, found an interesting little form of entertainment we can now hopefully take to New Heights, Ray. And she wrote up a commercial that I will read now. All right. Folks, you're probably like me and are very familiar with comic books, Spider-Man, Superman, even the Incredible Hulk. But what I bet you didn't know is that many of your favorite weekly comic book stories have been turned into major motion pictures. Bygone are the days when finding out the next great X-Men story meant walking to the local comic book stand. Many of the characters have been brought to life in living color on the big screen, with such titles as The Avengers, Black Panther, and even The Batman. So next week, take a break from that stack of thrice-read comics and check out your local Nickelodeon for a comic book superhero feature film. And as you listen to our podcast, remember to remember to patronize small mom-and-pop entertainment options like comic book movies. I, I didn't realize it was that big a market. Apparently, there's a market for this. I mean, you know, like you and I, probably it's all comic books in hand and we, we flip Sure. Through. But apparently there's folks you can, you can go, go watch your favorite watch characters come to life. At the cinema. I, that may have a future. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, I don't know. That could be successful, yeah. yeah you pretty wouldn't want to put too much money into it. <laughs> well, I'm not an early investor, but we'll wait and see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's wait and see if that works out. Are you a, are, are you a, a Marvel fan? I'm not anti-Marvel. Uh, and I've seen like a couple of those films, and I thought they were really great. Like, mm. you know, you just that's, that's me. melt your I, mind and grab a beer, and like you're entertained the yeah, whole time, yeah. kind of like Star Wars. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not a situation where you come out like, man, it really made me think about this or that. I have a buddy who says Star Wars was... And he's right, because there's only five, seven basic plots. Star Wars is Cowboys and Indians. Yeah. That's what it is. That's pretty fair. Yeah. Yeah. It's a take on Cowboys and Indians. Yeah. But he also says that George Lucas went awry when Darth, you know, has his catharsis and sort of leaves the dark side and Luke, I am your father. Like, you can't have the most evil person suddenly become not evil. You just can't do that. Yeah, that's it's definitely jumping the shark a bit, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now the Star Wars folks who who I know many and work with a few would tell you, you know, why well, I wouldn't know what they would tell you about that, but they would tell you, How dare you? That's you know, that's up here, Star Wars. You can't pick on it. It's the high water mark. I fell asleep, man, on the first one. <laughs> Now, I was a 16-year-old kid, I, 1977, yeah. summer of 77. Wow. I was in Ocean City, Maryland. I spent the entire summer there working, which was a really cool summer. That sounds like it. And I think, um, you know, it was the 70s, Trisden, and so we might have engaged in a little community smoke before we went to see the movie. Legal smoke, and, I'm sure. Yeah, and I just, you know, so no reflection on Star Wars. But now, you want to hear a great redneck story? Uh, Jamie had mentioned the yeah. best redneck stories. Absolutely. Okay, I won't name them, but I have a friend. He's a country fella from Corbin. And Star Wars, the very first one, which for the he- Star Wars heads, I guess, is the fourth one. But the first, uh, Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford and um, Carrie Fisher came out in the summer of 77. The exact same time Smokey and the Bandit came out. Interesting, right? The first Smokey and the Bandit. Nice. So this buddy of mine, Marvin, no last names needed, 
He said he's down in Corbin and he'd already seen Smoking the Bandit half a dozen times. <laughs> and there, the the theater in Corbin was two was a twoplex. I mean, yeah. this is the 70s. Twoplex was a big deal. I grew up with one theater, right? And the two movies playing were Star Wars and Smoking the Bandit. Now, he's already seen Smoking the Bandit six times. <laughs> True story. He goes in to see the original Star Wars. He spends about 15 minutes and says, oh, hell with this. Goes back and watches Smoking the Bandit for a seventh time. <laughs> Isn't oh, that great? Oh. oh, my God. That's a redneck tale right in there. In fairness, Burt Reynolds really killed Smoking the Bandit. Like, he nailed that movie. Oh, what man, a great movie. Great mo- and, and, you know, he had a great line. He said, uh, you know, it's not like when I was making Smoking the Bandit, I went out and got a tux for the Academy Awards. You know, he knew the movie he was <laughs> right. making. I mean, is there anything more Americana, for God's sakes? Jerry Reed in the big rig, uh, Gleason playing, uh, uh, you know, the, the sheriff, oh, yeah. uh, Buford T. Pusser. Was that Pusser? Or Justice. Buford Justice. Justice. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Song bitch. Oh, they, they were great movies, and they hold up. Yeah. I mean, you still, you know, they're they're just it's Americana, man. They do, you know. Yeah, big fan. Man, they Trans Am with the T top. Oh, it was just great. Oh, come on, it was just great. Good stuff. Oh, lordy lord. <sighs> Free flow, man. We're just chatting, chatting it up. Facebook. You can reach us if you want to say something. Man, that would be nice. We would like to have some more Facebook uh, folks. And we've had a couple people reach out, but it tends to be the same folks. We'd certainly like to thank uh, your friend, Matt. Tony. Tony. Oh, Jaeger reaches out. I don't think Jaeger listens, though, because he won't. Spotify is a free download, isn't it? It is. They all, he thinks he's got to pay. No, he doesn't have to pay. Son of a bitch. Jump on there and listen. Tony. Tony likes to beat us up. But Ray is, or uh, shoot, Matt is active on Facebook, though. And yeah, Tony uh, reaches out and quite he, a bit. And he beats me up about not being, uh, letting, what, that we're too liberal? Well, of course we're too liberal. But then, man, last week it was ugly. He was saying you weren't as pretty as you used to be. Well, he said, thought you were getting old. I said, Jesus, Tony, give him a break. No, he's right about all that. But the politics of it, he's, well, maybe we'll invite him on. Let him spew his nonsense. We should. Now, that is where we might, I don't know, Tony, but would it would we be a little confrontational or could we have a good conversation no, Tony's with somebody? Dude. Yeah, no, we could have a good conversation with Tony, sure. Yeah, then we bring Tony on. Why not? And maybe we can bring him away from the dark side. Speaking you know, of Darth Vader. I'm sure he would come on here and leave a leave a Democrat. Leave a, an enlightened man. Right. <laughs> Tony, you listening? I don't think we're changing any minds, but it is nice to have these conversations and prove that they can be had. The minds change. All right, so something that you changed your mind about. Can you can oh you come up with something? God. Yeah, there's a great question, right? Yeah. Something that you changed your mind about. Man, I, I do it all the time. Um, I literally do. Um as far as a, a really good example off the top of my head, uh, nothing's coming uh, to mind. Well, you know what? I was a I was a dull supporter. I, I was a Republican nationally, and I've probably merged over a little bit. I've certainly uh, moved a lot on religion in my life from where I was as a younger fella to where I am now. Um, I tell you what it'd be for me, Tristan, and I didn't ask you the question to tell my own story. No, but I'm just, glad you did. I was, you know, I spent through. 28 years. I'm 61 years old. 28 years of my life in New Jersey, and now 31. Is that that math is right? Yeah, in um, Kentucky. So I mean, those are two different places. You know, the, people are people, and there's good and bad in both. And but you know, they're they're culturally somewhat different. And one of the biggest cultural differences, Tris, and I didn't grow up with guns, man. There were my uncle Eddie was a hunter, so he had a couple of guns, and there were a few friends of mine. But it's not like everybody was going to their car for their weapon. It just wasn't. And I had a pretty anti-gun stance, and I don't know a thing about guns, right? Because I didn't grow up with them. And I moved here and realized how woven into the fabric of society guns are in Kentucky and what a useless argument gun control is. So I went the other way and said, okay, 
you're going to own your guns. Can we at least be responsible? Because there is a responsible gun owner and an irresponsible gun owner. So for let's sure. get people trained and practiced, which ironically, I think the NRA argues for, but it's like a lot of things conservative. They make great points, but then they piss all over it with some of the nonsense. And I've often said that. So True. much of my life is conservative. So much of my values are, so many of my values are conservative. But where I get in trouble is when conservatives sort of give a wink and a nod. And I know this is going to piss them off to some racist shit and some homosexual. You know, they allow, I always use Limbaugh. Like he was very comfortable with you thinking, hey, he might be just a little racist. He might, he might not like homosexuals. You know, he might like to see women barefoot and pregnant because that was kind of his show. So to me, conservatives got to answer for that, right? I think. Like, I love the tenets of conservatism. I just don't love all conservatives. Right. Well, you make a good point that I don't, I certainly don't believe that most Republicans are neither racist nor anti-women nor anti-homosexual. You don't believe they are. I do not believe they are, but I do think they are, um, as a group, a lot more comfortable being associated with that. That's certainly the kind of what are. I'm saying. And so, to me, they have to answer that question, Tris, and I can't answer it for them because, again, conservatism is a wonderful ethos. I mean, I, I firmly believe that there has never been a social program as good as a job. I've worked my whole life. I know the pride that comes with it. I know the feeling of self-worth that comes with it. You know, you can't be told you're good. Self-esteem comes from actually accomplishing something. So you have to go out and do that. I get that. So so in that sense, I am quite conservative. Where I struggle is the conservatives that like just open those doors, just close those doors. Stop giving a wink and a nod. Stop saying there's good people on both sides. See, to me, dumbest thing Trump said. Why? Because it gave Rachel Maddow the ammunition to say, this is the asshole that you are. You know, you can't give your enemy something to beat you up with. So don't say that. That's a dumb thing to say. So my question would be, why did he say that? Who is he giving that wink and nod to by saying good people on both sides? Right. And Barack Obama spent eight years measuring every single word because he knew, and anybody going into that arena of that level of politics, if you give somebody a soundbite, you might say, I hate children that break the law. What, are, what soundbite are they going to play? I hate children. I hate children. Right. You're going to hear it. Uh, you're going to vote for the man who hates children. You have to be <laughs> smart going into politics yes. of what you can and can't say. Now, is there more context to the statement of good people on both sides? There's an argument to be made well, for the there context. Is, right. No, you're exactly right. And, and, and some of our Republican friends have said, well, that's what we like about Trump. He throws it all out there. He's not a polished politician. He doesn't, uh, you know, uh, uh, check everything that he says with focus groups, right? Okay, cool. That's what you liked about him. But still I ask, what is the idea behind good people on both sides? No, there weren't good people. If you're a freaking neo-Nazi in 2021, doesn't make you a good person. That's not a good person. Right. So, why, so why the wink and the nod to him? Well, That's the question that my conservative friends have to answer for me, I believe. And actually, I threw it at Philip in a roundabout way, and he sort of deflected. Oh, well, that's not us. Yeah. Well, yeah, a lot of it is you. And I think that's just one thing that, you know, you just can't say it enough. And yeah, it, it, there is a point where you don't want to parrot something over and over. But look, it doesn't hurt you to say, look, we're not the party of racism. We don't want you here if you're racist. We don't want you here if you're excluding exactly. people. And like, you, you can say that over and over again. I mean, there's a point where, look, you're only going to get, well, I say that. I would think you would get more voters, more swing voters, more middle voters. You know, when you're saying, look, this is not who we are, but maybe the base gets mad. 
And oh, I think the base the does get mad because I think there is that base of folks that do like that. That still, you know, that still echo that uh, white supremacy and like, you know, knowing we're holding folks down and keeping people away and not allowing. And that's the ugly part of it, Tristan. There is some ugliness there. I mean, you, we can't say that that doesn't exist. It certainly exists. Well, that's my point. Because again, please let me repeat. So much of my life is lived in a conservative fashion. I'm married 33 years. Only seems like yesterday. What a miserable day yesterday was. I kid, I kid, honey. I love you. Um, I'm married 33 years. I raised two children, uh, uh, and I think I raised pretty wholesome kids. I worked every day of my life, save the one year of someone we might know let me go, and it was at a bad time, and I hold no ill will towards him. Um, <laughs> Tell me more. But, you know... Uh, there's a lot my I think my morality is 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 a conservative mindset I think you know treating people with respect uh, my my dad's purple heart is the first thing you see when you enter my living room Uh, great faith in the military great respect for the military all conservative values so I have absolutely no problem with that I'm not here saying that you know you have to be left-wing and open-minded on everything there's there's things that we can talk about but that bothers me yeah, and- the, the the slight homage to rather than just saying no, there's no place for racism. No, there's no place for no zero tolerance or, or no tolerance of homosexuals. No, there's no place for women to be to, to be equal. No, there's still some place where that is is prevalent, and it's in that conservative circle. It just is. And again, I say conservatives have to answer that, not me. No, I think that's fair. And a great question for every conservative that comes on the show from here on out. I th- I think it is. Yeah, and and you you do have to find a, ra- a way to rectify that or own it, right? You just I have think to that's say, right. I, look, I, I think we, that's right. If you want to say, you know, look, this country was better in the fifties when this was, a, you know, you're, you're entitled to make that argument. Now, you and I may find fault and 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 want to discuss that, but you're entitled to it. Instead, they know they really can't say that, so they sort of kind of tiptoe around it. There's some alluding to that, and again, it 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 stinks and. One of the things that I get a lot and it kind of bugs me is Republicans that won't own their Republicanness. They won't say, no, we do have to answer for that. It's like, oh, well, I'm a libertarian, so I can ha. completely vote this way yeah. and yet not have to answer to. And you see that a lot. Like I've got a lot of friends on Facebook that will jump on and Trump, 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 uh, uh, Democrats are morons. Um, well, what about this that, uh, you know, that your party did? Or what about this? No, that- the what about-ism. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. But, but what they, their answer is always, well, I'm not a Republican. I'm a libertarian. I'm above this fold. I can hate all Democrat policy completely, you know, organize myself with Republicans, yeah. but I'm a libertarian, so yeah. you can't say that about me. Exactly. So, yeah, so no, I think there's some fairness that you, you can't run from that, and there's some things that liberals have to answer to. A hundred percent, sure. And, and Because you do sure. have to own the way well, you li- vote. Liberals and- are never satisfied. That's uh, that's always my complaint, right? And and I, I'll, I'll use two examples. And these will hit home, and, and will not hit home, but these will irk some of my liberal friends, and I even think of my own daughter, right? So take the homose- homosexual... Uh, uh, debate or, or whatever issue, I guess. And I always say 2004, we actually had a presidential election decided on that issue when Karl Rove was smart enough to put it on the ballot, you know, the Anti-Marriage uh, Act, and it brought enough conservatives out in Ohio 
that Ohio went to Bush. So really a presidential election in 04 was decided on that issue. By 2014, you had a President Obama who was signing a bill to make gay marriage legal in 50 states. That's a 10-year period. It's an amazing accomplishment, right? And just to put a plug in, it was Joe Biden who got Obama on board before Obama was on board. Obama, uh, Biden stepped up front, stepped right. ahead on that issue, and really brought Obama aboard. But then, Tristan, instead of just taking a deep breath and saying that's a hell of an accomplishment, within, to me, it seemed about six months, all of a sudden there was the transgender issue. And now we have to have bathrooms. To... I don't even fully get it. And this pisses Brielle off, because my daughter, because she is like, oh, Dad, you're so out of touch. Okay, boomer. But, you know... <laughs> Just take a deep breath and then maybe explain this and bring me along because I don't really understand the issue. Okay, I'm out of touch. I'm sorry. But, you know, and and the other one would be the smoking ban, right? To get smoking out of buildings, great. Who can argue with that? But why does the entire University of Kentucky campus, smoking's not illegal. You don't get locked up for it. Doesn't make you a felon. Somebody who wants to smoke can't find a place on a whatever it is, 4,000-acre <laughs> campus to, ha- to, to have a damn cigarette without being accosted. Not in a building. I get that. That's wonderful. Take it out of the building. But if you're out on the street smoking, come on, man. So the left never seems to stop. They just push, 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 push. And that does piss conservatives off. And that's why we're here. It's extreme common sense. Like, every issue is not black and white. Like, there's not an issue you could name. Abortion, gun control. Every There is a middle ground that I think you and I would like to see. Abortion and gun control, too, are the toughest to find a middle ground. But I think... Agreed. Uh, but I think there is you know, Safe, legal, there. and rare. Sure. Safe, legal, and yeah, rare. Was I like about that. I like the Clinton. And responsible well. gun owners to bring it all the way back to the beginning of the conversation a responsible gun owner is about the only you know lock it up make sure it's safe make sure your kids if they're going to use it are trained you know that and keep it out of harm's way so yeah that, that would be the middle ground yeah so and i guess on that ray we've we've killed another killed 40 another, minutes or whatever 40 plus minutes here so yeah man so yeah before we jump off uh Godspeed. Good luck Thank on Thank you. If you never hear my voice again, that means it didn't go well, and I'm spending my eternity in Cleveland. Which, <laughs> what a uh, bad place to yeah. go, man. You know, come anywhere on, but Cleveland. Don't beat up the mistake <laughs> on the lake. Hey, hey come on now. Nice. Huh? I had a buddy of mine who went up for a Cavs game after LeBron had left, and he was like and, – and, and I have to say, before I deliver this punchline um, – I found Cleveland to be fine. Actually, Patty and I were very impressed with how clean the city was. So it's just that. Hey, I'm from New Jersey. Who's more of a butt of jokes than Jerseyites? Fair point. So with that, he's walking around and he goes, oh, I can see why LeBron left. (laughs) (laughs) So on that note, I like you, Cleveland, and I love the Germans. And if we could just get a couple listeners from Cleveland, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. And tell us why why your city is, is, is tops. Yeah, I think they do hold a distinction until LeBron won that NBA championship. They were the city with the longest stretch of no championships. So the Browns hadn't won since Jim Brown in like 62. The Cavs never. And the Indians, I think they did win a World Series in the 50s. But it had been a long stretch without a championship. So that's why LeBron is, you know, LeBron. Yeah, indeed. Hometown kid. Yeah, more or less. Toledo, yeah. yeah. He's right there. True. Well, cool, man. So, yeah. Uh, well, thank you. Best I, uh, of luck next week, and hopefully. And as I as I just looked down, literally, we've been here an hour. Um, you've got Air Jordans, man. Yeah. Are those the real deal? Yeah, for sure. So, what are they worth? These shoes, I don't know, man. I bought them probably for 150 bucks. Wow. Yeah. The original Air Jordans. Yeah. 
Or I don't know if they're the original, but they're ones. So they're the first ones he released. This is probably a colorway that was not original to him, but pretty close. It's probably idiotic to be talking, doing a podcast and talking about something that no one can see. <laughs> so I'll post a picture of the shoes on Please. Facebook yeah. if you'll if you jump I'm wearing, on. I'm wearing so, old man Skechers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm going to do is right now, Ray, I'm going to take a picture of our shoes and, okay. and people will get the rare treat. I've got the Skechers. Ah, cool. That's jumping cool. Jumping on to see my, my Jordan see, ones hey, and See what Skechers. happens in these free flow shows? You just never know, man. That's right. So That's jump great. on Facebook, Extreme Common Sense <laughs> with Tristan and Ray. Subscribe, like, listen on uh, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast please guys thanks a lot ray thanks man great week thank you we'll see you soon yeah thanks so much bye-bye thanks for listening to extreme common sense with trisden and ray we hope you had fun and look forward to taking on another topic next week